Well, I'm delighted that uh, joining us this week is uh, former player and well-known coach, Miles McLaggen, who uh, comes to uh, join us a couple of days after we witnessed Andy Murray making a remarkable return to the sport. Miles, your, your view on, on, on what we saw from him last week and what that kind of means, not just for him, but for British tennis. Well, it means a lot to him, obviously. I think there would have been times when you know he really would have wondered if he was playing again. And I think um, you know often we, they, and the media sort of look for the conspiracy theories and and you know the planning and they saying this, and but he really means this. And I do think genuinely he he was in pain, walking, sitting, um, and that was his first goal. And so it's it's a massive bonus for him to be out on the court and never mind playing some pretty good tennis. <laughs> As a guy who worked with him knows him so well. You saw him firsthand what he dealt with when he was playing at his peak and, and trying to achieve all the things that he's, he's, he's done. The competitor in him is obviously burns as fierce as ever, it would seem. But how difficult do you imagine it was for him over those last few months, the kind of the thought that maybe I won't be able to do this again? I think very difficult uh, um, and frustrating at times because we, we are in a, I mean, I don't think he'd ever s- say this out loud, but, you know, he, he was he was stopped in his prime. I mean, he was, the, the issues happened when he was, we were all talking about him dominating tennis for the next couple of years. I think it was the end of 2016, if I'm right, he was world number one. Um, you know, we were wondering, he wasn't losing matches. Uh, and, and, and I think, you know, some of the younger players that are coming through are, I mean, they're great players, but they're not in the same caliber as Murray and, and Djokovic and Nadal. And, and he must be, you know, looking at some of the success and thinking, God, I'm, I'm just, I'm missing out here. I was in such good shape. And, you know, I think the frustration, and I, I mean, I, I don't know how much of him he had to sort of resign to, to just saying, right, shut that out. Um, you know, you might not play again, but I would imagine that's starting to, to those fires are, are really being stoked right now, I'd imagine. Bob Bryan had the same operation, so obviously there was kind of a target to aim at, somebody he could follow in the footsteps, could talk to about it, which which must have clearly helped him. But the jury is still out as to whether he will be able to go on singles-wise. He has talked since the weekend saying, well, if, if it had to be doubles, maybe I would consider doing that. Do you think Andy will settle for that long term, or do you think really what he wants to do is, is try and get back to winning major titles? I think he'd definitely like to try and get back to winning majors. Um, it's an inter- interesting one. I don't know. You know, I was, I was was thinking about this over the weekend because he was when you know he got that doubles title and because c- part of it, it's great that you know holding up the Grand Slam trophy is phenomenal. But I think part of it was the journey that he enjoyed, having to invest, work so hard. You touched on that a minute ago. You know, the the, the suffering, the pain that that he would have gone through in those training sessions. That stealing yourself for for the battles against the Ferrers and the Nadals and the Djokovic's when when you you are in pain. And um, so, you know, doubles doesn't require the same level. It, it's it requires a huge amount of skill, but probably not the same amount of investment physically. Although it might for him, because he probably needs to take care of his body. Um, you know, that's not something I, I can answer. I, I, perhaps if it's alongside his brother, um, that could be something a little bit special. I mean, I remember, and I, I, I'm pretty sure you'll know exactly, and probably you'll know when it was. There was a little moment in the Davis Cup, I remember, when um, when they won a doubles match. And they just sort of looked at each other, and there's a little fist pump. And it's like, hey, you and me, bro, we're... Uh, do you remember which match that was? Was it against the French? 
at Queens? It was, it was it was one of the indoor ones, I think. Up in Glasgow. Yeah, I think so. I, I, I wouldn't be totally sure of that, but um, yeah, and it was just like hey, it's you and me, like you, we're those little kids from Dunblane, and, <laughs> and look at us now with all these people. So, you know, th- I think that was a that's me putting my uh, my opinion on it but uh that would be special and you know that would i think if andy was to if singles was too difficult for him um yeah that would be a very realistic option i would have thought he said i think we would understand this that that okay the back perhaps is a little bit of an issue at the moment because it's sore i mean after after what he did all those matches in quick succession having done nothing for five months competitively that that's bound to be the case i suppose what happens over the next few days in Eastbourne and then going to Wimbledon where he's going to play uh, with uh, Pierre Huguebert that uh, obviously is, is all part of this journey but it it's a journey we don't know where the end is do we? We don't, but how often do we? <laughs> you know? um, did he know on that journey that he was going to hold three Grand Slam trophies but um, it, it's been a in some ways, out of a tough situation, it's been perfect, hasn't it? Just ready in time, just to play the grass, to come back at Queens and the fairy tale, um, build it up. Wimbledon is. I'm a little surprised that um, Pierre Huguebert playing the doubles there, eh? because he'd sort of decided this year that he was going to concentrate on singles. And Wimbledon's a tough one to play because of best of five. But it is nice stepping stones, you know, Andy. Uh, obviously, you've got half a court to cover, um, not the same length of time. He did have a little test the one day. Uh, they didn't break for long but the doubles that was they had to finish the semi-final I think it was or no finish the quarter-final and then play a semi so that's a, that's another little test of um, you know when you cool down and start again that's often the toughest part of, <laughs> of the physical side of things so and you know people um, not everyone sort of realizes that you you can't you can do all the training in the world you cannot replicate the match situation how you feel a little tighter uh, the the nerves just make that movement a little more difficult um, you, you're a little stiffer the next day reading throwing your body around a little bit more so it's been a it's it's in a way been the perfect stepping stones for him just increasing that load. And when you think of what he has already achieved, he, he's got nothing to prove, has he, as a player? He's had this um, amazing career already. So it's not like there's a kind of pressure on him to say, well, I still haven't become world number one or I still haven't won this major or I still haven't won a Davis Cup. He's done all those things and more. So therefore, there's no rush here, is there? He's, and, and then he looks around. Well, I, I, I've just played with a guy who's 37 who won the singles and the doubles over the past week at Queen's. I'm only 32. So, so time is still very much on his side. And it could be amazing what he could yet go on and achieve. Absolutely, and um, you're quite right. Nothing, nothing to prove whatsoever. And I think perhaps uh, uh, in the media, sometimes we perhaps get a little overestimate how much what we what we think and what we project onto the players uh, what they should and shouldn't do uh, and, and they're probably doing everything they can to block that out And but I think um, what we're seeing more with, with these older players I think and Federer in particular is it's almost second and third shot at a career I think when you start out young it's you know it's about making the money and you've got to do this and it's all full full of nerves and uh, and expectations and pressures and then you perhaps get to a stage where financially you're you're secure almost secure um you, you've achieved a lot and now you're actually just it's you feel like you're just playing to gain There's, there is nothing to lose really and um it's a different pressure and it's I, I think um I think the old, uh, I remember hearing a definition of the old word to compete, 
came from the Greek, I believe. There's probably lots of people who might listen to this and just shake their head and go, <laughs> where? But what we, the, the, it came from to bring the best out in each other, the truest form of it. And, um, and, and, and I feel like that's the, what the likes of Federer is doing. And Andy sort of becoming a bit more mature, you know, into, into his 30s and without that pressure might look at that, uh, have that sort of mindset. He certainly seemed very relaxed in the whole build-up and okay, he said, as the matches we got through round by round that, that the nerves kicked in more. But that's what you want, isn't it, competitive? If you don't have that, you, you're, it's time to move on. It's time to hang up the racket. But he's not ready. He's not going to do that anytime soon. Lopez, I mean, he surely is not going to retire anytime soon when he's just done what he has done. Uh, talk about his efforts over the past few days because they were immense. It's quite phenomenal, isn't it? And um, I, th I think... As, as somebody who I mean, he'd love he'd love six months of the year to be on the grass, <laughs> wouldn't he? And um, you know, tournament director in Madrid, obviously. So uh, his his sights starting to move, and, and and perhaps just you know, as you get a little older, it's it's tougher to to dedicate yourself. But he knows his way around the grass court. He's he's got to, you know hasn't lost those instincts. That the, the left arm, I mean, it's just so lively that serve. Um, you know he can do anything with it, and and just getting that little bit of skid off the court, and but it was phenomenal. I mean, he played the last five matches on the centre court, didn't he? Between singles, finishing doubles, and and winning the title. So I think even you know Andy, with what he's achieved, was a little bit uh, was was fairly impressed with what his partner was was achieving out there. We're talking on the Tuesday following, and I think he's probably still asleep, isn't he? Recovering. It's it's just amazing what he's done. But of course, there's another guy a few months older than him who, who picked up a 10th Haller title. Roger Federer doing that. Uh, what a, a marker again he's laid down ahead of Wimbledon. Very much so. I mean, he's, he, I was actually thinking as I was driving in the car that morning, you know, we, I watched Federer in Basel and he was some pretty average tennis from by his standards at times at the end of last year. He still won the tournament, mind you, but a lot of that was on experience and he was he was winning the big points, which in the end is what what it's about. But um, you know, he he didn't look himself and you but uh, but I've stopped I, I really have. I've been wrong too often on better. <laughs> I'll stop making any sort of assumptions. And you know, things you do wonder with the likes of um, you know, some of the some of the greats who've stopped because of the injuries and the in injuries are very tiring they take a lot from you mentally um, and emotionally and but he's managed himself pretty well and we wonder how many of those other greats would have kept playing and just the, you know the expectation of I mean we, we're commentating all the time aren't we on players who are aged 33 34 we don't even like blink an eye at that I mean 20 years ago that was you know it's phenomenal that he still sort of can get out of his chair now it's sort of it, it's not even and you know once again it's probably Roger who's just pushed those pushed those the boundaries of expectation and, and I would be fascinated to know if that's crossed into other sports if they you know with a footballer starting to think well Federer's doing it why can't I go till 37 or whatever it is, yeah. Sadly, one of the guys who's obviously become a huge crowd favourite who won't be playing anytime soon is Juan Martín del Potro. I mean, talk about being unlucky, but to, to have broken his patella again, to have had yet another surgery, do you think he can come back from this one? I think so. I mean, he's shown he's shown amazing resilience. I mean, what three, four wrist injuries? This, and I was actually commentating on the match in Shanghai last year when he originally hurt his knee, and he just his foot sort of gave, his knee tapped the ground, 
And, you know, it, even at the time, I thought, well, he's overdoing it a bit. I think he finished and won that match as well, as he did with the one at Queen's. Um, I think he's a he's a mental giant. He's a guy who who is an equal to, you know, the players at the top of the game, Federer, Murray. You know, he's the sort of guy that... When he's behind against Roger, he's not panicking, thinking this is all over. He does so. I mean, there could be a lot ahead, and and in the same way, Tommy Hass crosses my mind that he had so much time out the game that even though he's getting older, still felt felt fresh and that he had more to to offer. And um, I would imagine Del Potro, because he's getting back to some some good form on on the clay, uh, played played some good matches, not able to quite get across the line on a couple of them, but he pushed Djokovic, so he must be thinking. Um, that, that, that you know he can play some great tennis, and it's a little surprising because normally a bone, in some ways, they're the sim- simplest injuries because you break a bone and it's healed and it's back. So I haven't quite found out exactly why it's he fell awkwardly, but yeah, we, we hope he's back soon. <laughs> Talking of mental giants, of course, Djokovic and Nadal choosing to um, you know prepare away from the tour ahead of Wimbledon, but no doubt you see them very much as, as, as the big names like Federer going into another championships. But who else would you say from what you saw at Queen's is somebody you're looking, you know, are people you're looking forward to seeing playing at the All England Club this year? Well, to give me a moment to think, it's hard to let go past the the big names. And I suppose, you know, you're looking at your, your Raonic's and, and, and Chilich. I mean, it was, it was 12 months ago that... I had, I think Chilich was the, the second favourite for me at Wimbledon. I mean, Federer was probably the favourite. He'd come off a great start to the year. And Chilich had that amazing final with Djokovic. Djokovic was just starting to emerge again. So probably had Chilich and Djokovic as a second favourite. But, um, you know, he didn't have a good Wimbledon. But, you know, he, he's a quality player. And, and sometimes, you know, the expectation's gone. They can just play with, with a bit of freedom. You know, you wouldn't completely write off... Um, someone like Kevin Anderson with a big serve. He's been out with uh, with the uh, elbow issues, but you know, get that feeling when he comes back into SW19 again. That, um, but it's pretty hard to look past uh, Djokovic and, and, and Federer. And what chance of the young brigade, the likes of Sitsipas, the likes of Felix Oje Aliazim? What tennis he played at Queens this past week? And, and the grass court prior to that as, as well. But yes, what, what an explosive and powerful game he is. Sitsipas, I think, his game, he's got some adjusting to do. I mean, he you know, obviously had a good run at Queen's, but I don't see his game yet as... He's still playing with quite a lot of topspin. The ball sticks in the court. Um, he's, he's coming forward, but he's not completely natural at the net yet. Um, but Felix, oh, powerful. Uh, I mean, he pushed uh, he pushed Lopez in the end. That, that servers. He, he's a big guy. I, I I feel he's he he actually he's a bit bigger than he looks. He's such a well-rounded and balanced athlete that you sort of don't realize he's six four, and that arm is just lively. And uh, and you know what people what we all talk about the attitude seems to be so mature, doesn't it? Talking of mature attitudes, if we turn to the women's game right now, a new world number one, a former professional cricketer, Ash Barty. I mean, what a story she has written this year. It, it really is phenomenal, and, and not and yeah, her, her her life story as it was. I mean, she's sort of she was a huge talent, a huge hope, and, and you know, chatted a moment ago about second careers. I mean, well, she's probably on her third one now, isn't she? Tennis, cricket, and, and now um, and now tennis again. And I think it just shows 
perhaps I mean she's obviously incredibly talented she's a natural athlete she's a natural um, she she's good instincts on a tennis court but perhaps just getting some perspective away and and I did it myself at my level and, and some of the kids I coach you're so wrapped up and you know taking a week off a month off and often say like you know you can't get a job for two months three months get up at you know, get up at six in the morning have somebody shout at you and then come back and realize actually this is this is pretty good make the most of it and and perhaps she's um yeah, it looks as though she's taking advantage. I mean, and and what I what I thought was great is she won that number one ranking, didn't she? We, we've seen in the past players get close and then understandably get a little bit nervous, struggle to get across the line, and then somebody else has lost and that sort of present. But she, you know, she won a tournament. She won uh, in Birmingham to become number one. So um, a great story, and you know, it's nice to. It's good for tennis, isn't it? It's that sort of successes shared around the world, different nationalities. And um, so it's going to be fascinating to see how she deals with the pressure at Wimbledon. It will be, won't it? And, and also the pressure back home. But great for Australia that they've got such a sort of positive role model now in tennis to, to look up to. It takes obviously what she's got herself. But of course, it also takes a great team around her. And, and having been a player and then coached many different players including doubles players but also some sort of leading singles players such as Andy Murray the role of the coach is something that's long being debated it's it's obviously come very much to the fore after what happened last year at the US Open and that final and against Serena Williams what's your view Miles now on how the sport should deal with coaching from the sidelines coaching on court is it something you you believe should be changed I don't have particularly strong views either way to be honest I think if it's on court it needs to be it's not for the it's not for the the um, the advantage of the players because the, the unique thing about tennis and the great thing is that those who can think adjust think for themselves and adjust can set themselves apart and that's what's special about the sport um, if it is used I think it's it's to add entertainment value and and that was when it was brought out it was difficult on the women's tour because you know you've got particularly in the women you've I think you've got a lot of um, players not speaking English and you know sort of uh, maybe Eastern European a Asian so you know the, the TV and the audience don't really generally benefit from it so the only reason to bring it in would be for the benefit of the audience you know I, I, I love sport I mean I like my rugby, I like my golf, you know, to, to be able to hear what Eddie Jones is saying to the team at halftime, that would be golden for me. I'd love, I'd, I'd love to hear that so I can understand the benefit. So it needs to be for the audience, not for the benefit of the players, because that is the thing about tennis, that you need to um, work things out. And actually, I, I, I read an article um, the other day, I think, I think it was by, by Dave Miley, actually, and talking about it and saying, you know, that, that's it, tennis, it's not just about tennis. It's, a, it's life lessons. It's learning to figure things out. It's learning to, dis to deal with disappointment, because, um, you know, we're talking about the top end, but there's a lot of other people playing tennis around the world which is such a great sport and uh, you know in the same way as golf you learn to um, you know it's about honesty and integrity of course you can when you're in <laughs> when you're back in the bushes in the deep grass you can cheat if you want but it's about um, integrity to, to yourself and I think that's part of what um, a big part of what tennis can offer. Miles thanks very much for joining us. No problem guys cheers good luck. Mm -hmm.